Well, good morning and welcome. Oh my goodness. It's not going to be this kind of day, is it? Let's try that again. Good morning and welcome. We're so glad you're here. If you're out in the hallway, make your way on into the sanctuary. We are ready to worship today. We want to welcome you. Today is the 128th anniversary homecoming service for East LJ Baptist Church. And so we want to welcome you. Welcome all to all our guests. Uh, welcome to some past members coming back to join us for this uh, special day. And welcome to all our own church family and, and friends. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. The light has shone out of darkness. We can see the glory of of God. You know, we were created to know the glory of God. We were created to, for our hearts to feed on the beauty and the goodness and the glory of God. And yet, sin, our sin, got in the way of, yet, of that. And yet, God intervened through the life, death, and resurrection of His Son. And He made a way that, once again, the, the blinders can be taken off of our eyes. Grace has come, and we can now see and enjoy the beauty of God through Jesus Christ. And so here at East LJ Baptist Church, because that's true, we've been captivated by His beauty. We've been captivated by Christ. And in Him we've seen and we cannot unsee that glory, that beauty. There's nothing like the glory of Christ. There's nothing like the gospel. And that's why we exist. And so it's our hope that as we uh, worship today, you would see His beauty. That you would see the glory of God in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and be captivated by Him. That's why we exist. We exist to spread our enjoyment of G the beauty of Jesus to the world. And so we pray that you will see Him today. We have the joy of having uh, uh, a good friend, Brother David Aiken. His wife, LaJean's with him this morning. Uh, David, for, for those of you that are new uh, and, and don't know the history that David and LaJean and their sons have with our church, he's been coming to East LJ since... Yeah, so, so that he's gotten old enough to forget when he started coming. So that tells you there was about a 13-year period, I believe, I'm telling that right well, or so. We've probably been coming 25 years. Long time. 26. Long time. And so David and LaJean and their boys, all now grown um, with families of their own, are uh, like family to East LJ. And so we're thankful to have uh, David leading us this morning in concert, uh, leading you in worship and us together. Uh, and so David's going to take over now. And, and at the end of the service, we'll have a love offering on your way out. Uh, there'll be our regular offering, but also a love offering for David uh, and his uh, music ministry. So uh, just prepare your hearts to give generously in support of uh, what David does as he leads us in worship now. And uh, after David uh, leads us in worship, we'll have just a few minutes in the Word before lunch, and you're welcome to stay. Uh, there's always plenty of food, so if you uh, didn't know we are having lunch today when you came, don't let that run you off. Stay, eat with us, get to know some folks, and we look forward to a great afternoon of celebrating God's faithfulness in our midst for 128 years. Thank you. 
I think I baptized a bunch of these youngins in here. Love you guys. It's so good to be back. So good to be anywhere these days. Let not your hearts be troubled. You see, if you believe in God, believe also in me. Cause in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have let you know. You see, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I will come again and receive you as my friend. That where I am, you may be also. And where I go, you'll know. And someday you will go. Oh, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's right. You see, those were the words of Jesus. He wants to let you are going to come and they're going to go but now we know the rest of this great story you see he's coming back again and we're getting near the end but until then I'm going to do the best I can yes I will oh to witness to the lost no matter what the cost and I'm going to try to, my best to try to tell a world who cries itself to sleep. I'm going to say to him, I'm going to say, there's hope for you today. If you'll only hear him say, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. Oh, oh, I. Oh, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Oh, I am the way, the truth, the life. Oh, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Father, but by me. Well, no man comes to the Father. No man comes to the Father. No man comes to the Father, but by me. 
such a blessing to be back and uh, I've had a couple of requests and uh, so it, it's wonderful first of all to have uh, Charlie and Mary Jo Brown and Phyllis uh, Simmons her husband was Eddie Simmons he was my ninth grade music teacher uh, a man that truly changed my life and he went to be with Jesus a few months ago. And we miss him very much. And Phyllis wanted to know if he was one of the greatest lead singers I've ever got a chance to travel with. And, and uh, he would spend time with me uh, after school and help me with music, help me write my first song, bought my manuscript paper back when we did that sort of thing. And uh, just have fond memories. And his precious wife is here today, and, I, and she wanted me to do one of his songs. And I can't do it nothing like he did it. And, and I'm not going to be very good because I'm not ready, but I'm going to do anything for Phyllis because I love her very much. So I'm going to give it a try. This was one of the songs that meant a lot to me that he used to sing. It didn't make the paper. That day when I prayed through, and it didn't really seem to matter to all but just a few. But in the golden streets of glory, celebration banners wave. Oh, it made news in heaven when I got saved Oh, angels were rejoicing Hallelujah's ring When Jesus touched my life And I was changed And everyone in glory realm Knew my name was written down heaven when I got saved oh it made news in heaven when I got saved it's for you fellas had this request if I can remember the words I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold and I'd, I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd, have, I'd rather have Jesus 
than houses or land. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be led by his nail pierced hand than to be a king in a vast domain or to be held in sin dreads I'd rather have Jesus than anything this old world affords today. Jesus than men's applause and I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause oh I'd rather have Jesus than
That's for you, Jess. It's a beautiful song the boys wrote for me. Hope it'll be a blessing to you today. Another town, another place, a different crowd, a brand new state, spotlights on me. Once again, I get to choose to keep it here, point it to you. Lord, you know my heart. Lord, I want my stage to be an altar so all the praise goes to the Father. If I get selfish make this life all about me, Lord, please, I want my stage to be Alarm goes off to start the day in each child of God takes their stage. Oh listen, to some of you it might be at school, many of you a job somewhere. But I know this world, this world could change if it could only. This could only be our prayer. Lord, I want my stage to be an altar. So all the praise goes to the Father. When I get selfish and I make this whole life all about me, Lord, please. I want my stage to be a Some perform to thousands, and you see, some to just a few. Oh, but numbers aren't important, just gotta do what we can do. Oh, then one day when we see Jesus, and we touch his nail-scarred hand, to tell us how our little bitty lives were such a big part of his plan. Lord, I want my stage to be an altar so all the praise goes to the Father. And Lord, in those times when I get selfish and I do, and I start trying to make this whole life all about me. Lord, forgive me. You know my heart. I want my stage to be an altar. I want my stage to be an altar. Listen, more than anything in this world, my family and friends stand one day 
front of my tombstone, I hope one thing they'll always remember and be able to say, my daddy, my granddaddy, he always led his stage be an altar. Amen. These next couple of songs are a couple of songs I've been working on during COVID in the basement by myself. And uh, we'll try them, try them on you. I hope you, hope you enjoy them. It goes something like this. Sometimes lost and confused. Sometimes broken and misused. In a world where wrong seems right. Sometimes I feel just too weak to fight. But the first thing in the morning on my knees, I'm begging you to help me somehow to understand your truth that steadies me, that truth that sets me free. The world is changing. Before our eyes, but to you, Lord, it's no surprise. Cause your word tells me there'll come a day when all of our burdens will just go away. But until then, I'll put my faith and my trust in you and when my world seems to fall apart I'll know what I cannot do Lord I'm gonna hold right on to you cause I cannot fall fail forfeit I cannot quit run or bail cause there's just too much at stake I can't back down Lord, you said we'd have trouble, but you'd surely overcome. I will sing, love, and fight until I'm done. I will fight the good fight until you come. My heart is broken for this nation. Our children facing such temptation Their only hope is that they'll see the Lord in me I need to wake up from my sleeping And live a life that makes a difference I can't forget there's always someone looking up and watching me Listen, my little ones need I cannot fall, fail, forfeit, cannot quit, run, or bail. There's just too much at stake, can't back down. Lord, you said we'd have trouble, but we'd surely overcome. I will sing, love, and fight until I'm done. I will fight the good fight until you come. 
heard a message that inspired me to write this one. If I can remember all the words. You knew my name. You knew my name. Jesus, that's why you came. Because you knew my name. You gave your life so I could live before I was. You knew my name. You called my name. You called my name. When I was lost, you called my name. I'm so thankful I heard your voice. Now I rejoice. Oh, that day my life was changed. When you called my
I don't know in my old age, I love all kinds of music. Uh, but I've been real inspired a lot the last few months on hymns and story songs. I love songs that tell stories. And uh, Brother Chad called me a couple of weeks ago and we talked about a what would my theme be? What would I title to this concert? And I told him, I think I would just entitle it, I love to tell the story. Because I do. I've been called a preaching singer and a singing preacher, which I'm proud to be called. Because you can sing from morning till night. But there's one message that'll change the world. And there's one story that'll change the world. And his name is Jesus. Tell me the story of Jesus right on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Tell how the angels in chorus sang as they welcomed his birth. Glory to God in the highest. Peace and good tidings to earth. Tell me the story of Jesus. Right on my heart, every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. I love to tell, I do, the stories of unseen things. Of Jesus and His glory, of Jesus and His love. I love to tell that old story, and it's because I know it's so true. And it satisfies my longing as nothing else can do. Oh, I love to tell the story will be my theme in glory to tell that old
is love. Some of you look like you're just about ripped, ready to sing with me. How about this one? This, let's see. This is my story. This is my song. This is my song. Praising my Savior. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my Praising my Savior all the day long. This is a little of my story. I remember I was just a boy growing up in our little country church in Griffin, Georgia. Oh, and I remember how my preacher cried as he told us just how Jesus came to earth how he died to save us. Felt a feeling in my heart I never felt before. A loneliness and emptiness I knew I needed something more. I walked up to the front took my preacher by the hand. Then we knelt beside each other. And we prayed. We prayed, dear Jesus, won't you come into my heart and save me from my sin? That day, he changed my life. And that's why I'm here today. Sometimes I can't recall the year he saved me. I can't recall the month when he came into my life. Sometimes I may forget the week or the day that he saved me. But I'll never for one single second forget the moment
I remember how she looked that day, all dressed in white. In that little country church in Jonesboro, Georgia. And I remember how those big brown eyes just seemed to glow to the lights of all the candles all around us. I felt a feeling in my heart I never felt before. A loneliness and emptiness I knew I needed something more. She walked up to the front. And then we took each other's hand. And then we knelt down beside each other. Then we prayed, oh, dear Jesus, would you come and bless our home? We want to follow you. Oh, listen, that day he blessed us, and he's been blessing us ever since, and that's why we're here today. Oh, sometimes I can't recall the year we married. Listen, I get in some bad trouble when I don't either. Well, my old mind goes blank. I can't recall the month we said I do. Or sometimes I may forget the week, or especially the day she chose me. I don't know why she did. But I'll never for one single second Forget the moment As the years go by My memory tends to fade There may be dates and times I may forget Oh, but those life-defining moments They've been there from the start Cause they're not just in my mind They're in my heart I remember I was just a boy growing up in our little little bitty country church in Griffin, Georgia oh I remember how she looked that day all dressed in white in that little country church in Jonesburg Georgia
this song I wrote about my granddad. Granddad bought me my very first guitar in the fifth grade when mom and dad said I couldn't have one. I always knew what to do. If mom and dad wouldn't do right, I'd just call granddad. He didn't care what mom and daddy thought. And uh, I just uh, wrote this song about him. I hope it'll be a blessing to you today. I recall when I was young When my granddad bought my very first guitar You see, he bought it just for me In hopes that in gospel music I'd go far And now I sing for Jesus everywhere I go Cause granddad taught me all I need to know. Yes, it is. And we go hunting in the wintertime, fishing in the summertime. But when we get home, we'd read the Bible almost every night. remember oh so well how we'd sit out on the porch we'd pass the time we'd sing songs like amazing grace and the old rugged cross but his favorite one was this song called supper time anybody know that one all those memories that i recall you see they mean so very much to me and I'll tell you why cause me and granddad will be together through eternity cause we go hunting in the winter time fishing in the summer time but when we get home we read the Bible we go hunting in the winter time. We go catfishing in the summertime. But I thank my Lord when we got home almost every night. We'd always read the As for you, Granddad. When I recorded this song, 
I thought it was a funeral song. But over the years, I've realized it's a victory song. I want to sing this song for all those who've gone to be with Jesus that we'll see again one day. We've lost a lot the last couple of years especially. That really lost them. Listen. There is a host of people Cross that great divide. Oh, they left, they've left behind this old struggle. They're on the other side. But if they still could speak to us and send the message clear, I believe their voices would ring with happiness. Surely we would hear. Oh, please don't weep for me. No, because I've been given liberty. I can't get through this song. Because I'm in the presence of the one who died for me. Oh, but listen. Oh, listen, loved one. Patiently, I'll wait. Just inside these beautiful gates. Until that day when we shall meet again. until then don't you weep for me can I hear somebody say amen that wasn't loud enough amen amen listen you be encouraged today when we must gather around the grave of someone we hold so dear inside we feel that old emptiness just can't hold back the tears but Jesus he holds us in his arms deep inside we know that our loved ones in a better place someday we will go Cause you just might hear this old country boy sing. I'll be singing, don't you weep for me. No, cause I've been given liberty. Oh, cause I'm in the presence of the one who died for me. And patiently I'll wait just inside these pearly gates until that day. Tell you a little story, a little Bible story. 
It's about a disciple, and his name was Thomas. We call him Doubting Thomas. This little song goes something like this. The day of crucifixion had come and gone. And now it was time to pick the pieces up and carry on. You see, Jesus, he had left behind that old borrowed tomb. The Bible tells us he just stood among them in the upper room. Can you imagine being there that day, standing in that upper room when Jesus walked in after he was crucified? There was only one problem. You see, Thomas was not present there to see him. So when all the other disciples, the guys tried to tell him, they said, listen, Thomas, you ain't going to believe this. He said, I'm sorry, I can't believe him. I can't believe it. I'm going to have to see the nail prints in his hand. I'm going to have to see the scars in his side before I will believe that he's alive. You know this story. It keeps getting better and better. The Bible tells us that Jesus came again into their meeting place. He just stepped inside. He looked at Thomas face to face and he said, Hey, Thomas, come over here. Feel my hands. Touch my side. The Bible says, Thomas fell down on his knees and he cried. He said, My Lord and my can this be true? Oh, blessed Jesus. Oh, Master, it's really you. Now I can see. I can see with my eyes the prints in your hand and that wound in your side. My Lord and my God. written by a Christian school teacher friend of mine and this last verse is what really made me love the song Listen, I was just like Thomas I could not believe and all these things I'd heard about Jesus I thought how could I receive oh but then one day when his convicting power I fell oh and in that little country church in Griffin Georgia right about there it's where and I sing, my Lord and my God, can this be true? Oh, blessed Jesus, I'm going to trust in you. And now I can see with my spiritual eyes the prints in your hands and that wound in your side. Trust in you, and now I can see 
my Lord and This was one of my first songs that got any kind of radio play on my first album. It goes like this. I had an aching emptiness. It was down in my soul. It was a lot like a restlessness. An awful hole. No lasting comfort could I find. In all these earthly things. But one day, I found a joy that only Jesus brings. And now I can sing, Jesus feels my need. And he puts within my heart a song. He poured his spirit in this place. Yes, he did. It had been empty for so long. Fills my need. Oh, listen, guys, I'm so thankful for that familiar verse of Scripture. John 3.16. It says, For God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, that's you, believeth in him today, you can have everlasting life. I know because there was a time in my life when I had this growing hunger way down deep inside and this old world could not ever seem to satisfy oh but then one day at God's table that good news I heard when I understood his precious holy word and now Jesus fills my my heart a song oh one day he poured spirit in this old place oh that had been empty for so long oh and Jesus fills my knees you see it takes the loneliness away Somehow he brings a peace that's here to stay. Oh, and no matter who you are, you can trust in him today. I know you can, because Jesus fills my need. If he did it for me, he'll do it for you. Listen. Oh, yes, Jesus fills my need. My heart, my heart, a song. One glorious day, He poured His Spirit in this old place. Oh, that had been empty for so long. 
somehow at the same time he'll bring a peace that's here it'll be here to stay and regardless of who you are you can trust in him right now today you see I know because when I was a little seven year old boy you know the story Jesus fills my needs and every single day I just keep living for him he just keeps on and on and on filling my needs and until one day when he's done with me here I guess I'll just stand up there side of Jesus with an angel back up and I'll sing it again Jesus fills God bless you, L.J. Father, this morning we thank you so much for the truth of that song and all the songs David has led us in worship with this morning. Father, thank you for sending your son who alone could meet our need. Father, thank you for this church. Father, for the history that's here. And God, I pray that you would encourage us now from your word as a church. And even as we uh, talk about what it means to be the body of Christ, Lord, I pray that if there's any in this place, join us via live stream, Father, who've yet to meet Jesus and have him fill their need. Then, God, this moment, as the gospel's made clear, that this would be the moment of their salvation. We pray it in Jesus' name and for your glory's sake. Amen. 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 Thank you, Brother David. We appreciate you. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles this morning to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, and as you're turning there, uh, you can either do that in your Bible. You can also, if you have our uh, app, you can uh, open that up and scroll down to the bottom of the app. Um, scroll up, I guess that would be, and you'll find a section called Notes. There'll be some sermon notes found there, uh, and you can follow along. The Scripture will be in those notes for you to follow along with David's concert for us this morning, his time of worship was all about telling the story. And he told us some of his story. The reality is we've all got a story to tell, amen? If we know Jesus, if Jesus has moved in and changed our lives, then we have a story to tell. And it's good to be gathered together to celebrate God's faithfulness to his church here at East L.J. Baptist Church. We started this morning out at the cemetery with a memorial service. Uh, as we celebrate 128 years, there's about 25 of us there. And we remembered all that God has done through the lives of those that have gone before us, those on whom sh whose shoulders we stand as a church today. Uh, our church was founded in 1893, and uh, it's just amazing to see 128 years of history. And we talked about the fact that those folks that founded our church did like Isaiah 40 says. They exchanged their weakness for the strength of God so they could soar like eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint. And that's why there's a church after 128 years is because they waited on the Lord who is strong. And it is good to be, Joe, part of God's house. Now that phrase, God's house, sometimes it's a term that's used to speak of church buildings, isn't it? And what we have traditionally said is it's good to be in God's house. But you see, that's not biblically true. And so what we need to say, and Joe uh, and I try to do this on a regular basis here, it's good to be part of God's house. 
We use that phrase sometimes to speak of church buildings. The question is this, is it a right use of the term for, new, for the New Testament body of Christ, the church? Another question, is it helpful in the church of Jesus Christ to talk about the buildings where believers in Jesus meet together as God's house? Is that helpful or is it possible to, that to use the term God's house to speak of buildings is actually unhelpful and even dangerous? Because it can eclipse the way God himself wants us to understand the term God's house as revealed in the New Testament. You know, in the Old Testament, if you look at the screen, uh, if you're joining us live stream, via live stream, it's on your screen. This is where God chose to dwell in the Old Testament. An amazingly ornate building with specific ways and times and procedures for worship. Certain folks could only go into certain parts of the temple at certain times of the year. There was very limited access to the actual presence of God. Uh, once a year, the high priest alone could enter in. The, the Old Testament temple was an awe-inspiring place. And you're not seeing the temple, are you? That's because it's been a busy morning and I failed to get the temple to Doug. So you don't have a picture of the temple, and that's okay. Uh, you can Google it later. Google Solomon's Temple. It was a big old thing. It was amazing. And a, a very awe-inspiring place intended to communicate the holiness of God and to foreshadow the grace of God in Jesus. You've never seen a church building. I can promise you this. You've never seen a church building that rivaled the temple. All you got to do is go back and read the description of the temple, and there is no church, earthly church building that's ever come close to the temple that God had his people build. And yet, because of the rejection of Israel, of Christ, they rejected Jesus, God allowed that temple to be destroyed. By the way, there was more than one destruction and then rebuilding and final destruction in A.D. 70. And I've had the opportunity, the privilege to go and stand there on the Temple Mount. And it's no mistake, what we're talking about today, it's no mistake that God has allowed in AD 70 the temple to be destroyed. You, know, you want to know why? What we're going to see this morning is we're the temple. And it's also no mistake that on the Temple Mount today, God, just to make sure we were clear, the temple is no longer where the glory of God dwells because there is no temple. God saw to that. In the judgment of his own people, the temple's gone. And just to be crystal clear about where the new temple is, God made sure that a temple won't be built back there, at least in the foreseeable future, because there is an Islamic shrine that sits on the temple mount. The sad thing is some people still think in some way there is now no temple in this world. The Jews believe there's no place where the glory of God dwells. But folks, it's not true. And that's what I want you to see in the word, from the Word of God this morning. First of all, before we look in the, in the Scriptures, I want you to look to the person to your left. Look at them. Look at them in the face. All right, look at the person to your right. All right, look at the ones, the back of the heads in front of you. Maybe you just kind of look around, turn around. Just kind of look at each other. By the way, some of y'all didn't speak to each other since you've been here, and you, you're six foot away from each other, or less, three foot away, two foot. So make sure you remedy that before the service is over. Um, but assuming that both of those two or three people that you just looked at are believers, you have just looked 
into the eyes of the new covenant temple of the living God. You have just looked through the window of the new covenant temple of the living God. We are today, individually and collectively, the temple in which the glory of God dwells by His indwelling Spirit. You know, in 1893, when our church was formed with just a few folks gathering to meet as a church, as a new church, you know what? They didn't have a building. This church wasn't constituted around a building, amen? Met in a storefront, am I right? I'm looking at a historian over there. And what that means is one of the older guys. We met, they met in a storefront, I believe. That's when they first started gathering. They had to have a space to meet, but, but they weren't constituting that building to be the church. They were constituting their gospel gathering as the church of Jesus Christ. We are, as our text makes clear, God's living house. 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 9, teaches us this main truth I want you to take home. As followers of Jesus, united in Him, we are the living house in which God dwells for His glory through us around the world. And I don't want you to miss how amazing that is. As followers of Jesus, united in Him, we are the living house in which God dwells for His glory, listen, through us around the world. 1 Peter 2, verse 4, As you come to Him, Peter says, As you come to Him, the living stone, who might that be? Only one, Jesus, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to Him, as you come to Him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a spiritual, a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay in a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you, church, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In short, God has replaced all of the Old Testament economy, the, all of the temple worship, the building, the people in it, the worship of it. He's replaced it with the New Testament church. We are the living temple of God as followers of Jesus, united in Him. We are the living house of God in which He dwells for His glory through us around the world. Three quick things I want you to see here. First of all, the cornerstone of the house. That's the most important rock in the whole place. That's the most important part of God's living house today, the cornerstone of the house. When they were building buildings back then, they, they, they laid first the cornerstone. It was a perfectly hewn stone. All the angles were right and square. The reason they started with that cornerstone, and it, because it was so perfect, and, and all of its uh, Everything was exactly 90 degrees, all the angles and corners. Y'all follow me? I'm not, I'm not a builder, so I don't know how to describe it. Everything was square. I think that's the right way to say it. And, and, and the reason that was so important is because everything formed around that cornerstone. 
And as long as they kept things and cut things and built things to, to, to jihad with that cornerstone, guess what? The walls went straight up. They didn't lean out. They didn't lean in. They didn't go this way or that way. They were, they were straight and ended up plumb and everything was good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious, for in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone. I, God, lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. His life will be built plumb and straight and level in Christ. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, it's all about Jesus. It's all about how we choose to respond to him. Jesus is the cornerstone, the precious cornerstone. And the only way to be part of God's spiritual house is to be coming to him, the text says, as you are coming to him as living stones. As you come to him, the, the verse says there, better translation, as you are coming to him, you see, this involves our initial repentance from sin and trust in Jesus. That moment in your life that, that David sang about earlier where you trusted Christ for the very first time. But it also, because of the present tense in the Greek language here, speaks of our daily coming to Jesus. Our daily dependence on Him for life before God. And our understanding about how to live as His people Jesus is called here the living stone in chapter 2, verse 4. Jesus is not just one stone among many. He is the cornerstone. And he's alive today, amen? We, we haven't built Christianity, this religion of Christianity, around a dead man like every other religion on the planet. We have built the living, breathing, moving advancing house of God around the living cornerstone, Jesus Christ. And he lives. And he's the foundational stone to which the rest of this building we call the church, which again is not this building, it's the spiritual building of which we're a part to which the rest of the building aligns. In this passage, Peter quotes from the Old Testament several times, Isaiah 28, 16, Psalm 118, 22, and Isaiah 8, 14, all of which are messianic prophecies concerning the very thing we're talking about this morning, God's spiritual temple on earth in the lives of his people, the church being built around Jesus who is the cornerstone. It's always been the plan. The, the Old Testament temple was always meant to foreshadow a far greater beauty in the New Testament church. Jesus is God's precious cornerstone. And so here's the question. David's already asked you this morning, but let me ask you again. Have you come to Jesus as your Savior and Lord? Are you daily coming to Him just as dependent on His grace and power as the day you first trusted Him? Are you still doing that, brother, sister in Christ? But hear me, if you don't know Christ today, here's, here's the thing. David already quoted John 3.16 for you. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Why did God have to give his son? Why did God have to send Jesus to come into this world uh, for us? Because the Bible says God is holy and we are not. The Bible says all of sin and fall short of the glory of God and, the, and, the, and that the wages of our sin is death. There's eternal judgment from a holy God on all of us the moment we're born. And apart from some intervention by God, the bad news is you can't fix it yourself. There's no turning over a new leaf. You can't just decide you're going to, uh, you know, 
start coming to church and, and everything will be all right. No, the deal is we can't undo the sin we've already done and we can't keep ourselves from sinning going forward. God had to act and the Bible says that God demonstrated his love toward us. He showed us just how much he loved us. And the way he did it was while we were still sinners, he sent Christ to die for us. While we were helpless, while, b- before we ever had any realization that we were sinners in the need of a Savior, God made a way through the life, death, and resurrection of his Son. What do you mean, Chad, the life, death, and resurrection? Jesus came, and in your place, he lived a perfect life. He absolutely fulfilled the law and and, and will of God perfectly. He never sinned. He was perfect for you. Have you ever heard that, by the way? You know, sometimes that's something we don't preach on an awful lot, is is the active righteousness of Christ, the obedience of Christ that then is credited to our account when we trust in him. He lived a perfect life in our place, but secondly, he died the death we deserved. He bore in his body on the tree, on that Roman crucifix, all of the wrath of God against my sin and against yours. God made him the, the wrath-appeasing sacrifice, Romans 3 means when it uses the word propitiation. He made Christ to be the wrath-appeasing sacrifice for me, for you. And all of the holiness of God was satisfied, the justice of God was satisfied when Christ died in our place. And he was dead for three days, but on the third day he rose again. A dead man can't save anybody, can he? dead man's just another dead prophet. He's no savior, but on the third day, Jesus rose, and we believe. Some of you may be looking at me thinking, like, for real, you believe in resurrection? Absolutely, 100%. Our faith rests on the actual, literal, bodily resurrection of Jesus. He's alive. And he has been since the day he rose, three days after he died. He's exalted at the Father's right hand that he lives. And so through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, you can be saved. God sent him to do this for you and for me. And the Bible says, so you say, okay, Chad, I get what he did. How, how do I get it? How do I get what he did for me? The Bible says you can't earn it. You absolutely don't deserve it. There's no negotiation about it. There's no way to barter for it. In fact, if you try to do any of those things, God says you can't have it. Because Romans makes it clear he made salvation to be by grace through faith. Why? So that when I get saved, you know, you, you know the only one I can brag about, you know the only one I can, the only thing I can boast in is Jesus. Because he made it to be by grace. It's a gift. That's what, that's what that means. It's a gift. He gives the gift. You can't buy a gift. Are you tracking with me? I mean, I mean you can buy one for somebody else, but you can't buy my, a, a gift I give you. And God says, you can't buy the gift I'm giving you. You've got to say, I'm absolutely helpless. I've got to have you give it to me because I can't earn it. I can't buy it. I can't fix my mess. I can't undo my sin. I can't remove my own guilt. And so, God, if, if there's, if there's going to be a way for me to be saved, it's, 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 it's by a gift. And, and Jesus was the gift in his life, death, and resurrection. He did everything and was everything that we could ever need before holy God. And, and so now we just have to receive it by faith. What, what does that mean? It just means we, we trust what he says. We believe that, that Jesus is enough, that Jesus paid it all, that he was fully righteous for us, that he lives and reigns today, that he's worthy of our praise, that he's Lord of our lives. And we just say, yes, Father, I, I receive what you're giving. And simply take the gift by faith. Jesus is the precious cornerstone. That's the most important part of the message. Because here's the deal. If you, don't have, if, if, you, if you don't know the cornerstone, anything else we talk about doesn't matter, does it? 
And on this homecoming Sunday, we'd be remiss if we didn't give an invitation as a church for you to come to the Lord Jesus. Dave's already started. I'm just extending it now. Come to the cornerstone. And if you do, then together with the rest of us as followers of Christ, united in Him, we are the living house in which God dwells for His glory through us around the world. Secondly, though, notice, and these next two points will be a whole lot quicker, the building blocks for the house. That's what we are. We're just, we're just blockheads that God uses and puts together to make the living house of the everlasting God. Verse 5, you also like living stones, little living stones, little L, little S, not capital L, capital S like Jesus, the living stone. You also like little, like living stones are being built into a spiritual house. The living stones here, it's me, it's you, it's believers in the Lord Jesus. We are being built. Notice that. It's passive. God is the one doing the building. Amen. You know why? Because God's the one who does the saving. God's the one, remember the verse I read at the beginning of the service? God's the one that causes in the middle of your darkness you to see, even on a, as a seven-year-old boy, to see the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God's the one that flips the switch in your heart, takes out stone, puts in flesh, so you can see, hear, and understand the beauty of Jesus, your own sin, and the fact that he meets all your need. This image is meant to communicate not only our union with Jesus through faith, but also our growing likeness to him as we live by faith in him day after day. We are the building blocks for God's living house. And you know, it's, this is just an aside, but just something I was, I was thinking about it over the weekend when I preached through First Peter several years ago, and we were in this passage, I actually had an object lesson here. And I had some of your names on blocks I made out of um, cardboard boxes. I painted your name on the side of those and had you come up here and place, uh, you know, Amy and, and, and David and uh, Lisa and Betsy on top of each other. And the picture being, this is what's happening. As we come to Jesus, another stone is added to the living house of God, all centered around, and I had a big cornerstone. It wasn't quite plumb, but it, it was supposed to be like Jesus, and we were being built around him. And the thing I've been thinking about all weekend is this. You know, sometimes in, Amer in the American church, it seems particularly bad, and especially since COVID. I don't know if it's true for you, if, if you sense this or if, you, if, you, if you've noticed this, but in the church, it's, it's as if as living stones, we are not stacked together. We are not touching one another. We are not close. We couldn't see each other for about a long, long time. Uh, we, couldn't, we, didn't, we didn't want to get close to each other. We were scared of each other, so forth and so on. But the reality is, I'm not talking about physical proximity. I'm talking about relational proximity. And, and here's the deal. We are made to live close together. We are made to live in a fellowship that is uncommon in this world. It's a love and it's relationships with the body, with each other, uh, across our differences. You know what unites us in the church? What, what, a lot of us would not naturally be friends, but you know what? We've been made forever family through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a permanent glue. It's a permanent bond in Him. I just encourage you. You've been built around the Lord Jesus Christ. Spend time with each other. Do more than this Sunday morning gathering. Be with each other, for we need each other. As followers of Jesus united in Him, we are the living house in which God dwells for His glory through us around the world. Please don't let all this be wasted on you. God has chosen to make us his living house, to dwell on earth in us and to make his glory known 
through us. Finally, the purpose of the house. Second part of verse 5 says to be a holy priesthood. Why are we here? Why, why does God bring us to the cornerstone and make us living stones and build our lives around Jesus so that we might be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ? I told you a minute ago, the church of Jesus Christ, we are the living temple of God today on earth in which the glory of God dwells. But this verse tells you also, not only has the church become the, 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 the spiritual living building where God dwells, but we are the holy priesthood. And we offer spiritual sacrifices. All the stuff that went, people that were inside of the temple and all the sacrifices that happened inside of the temple, there's a new form of all that in the new covenant. It's in our lives as believers. Verse 9 says, you're a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Language used to speak of Old Testament Israel. In the New Testament, it speaks only of believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, be they Jews or Gentiles, or all of the above, which that's the church. Amen? Why? Why has has he made you his new covenant, everlasting, ultimate people? That you may proclaim the excellencies, here's the purpose, of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. His glory is the purpose of the house. If it was just to get us saved and get us to heaven, then he could do that in, all, in one flail swoop, amen? I mean, the day you trust Jesus, God could just you know, rapture you up and get you to heaven. That's all there was to it. Someone has said, I believe it was Robbie Gowdy, said, the gospel came to you because it was on its way to somebody else. Why have you been brought to Christ and made a building block in the living house of God on earth so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light? As God's living house, we are also to be his holy priesthood that spends our lives offering spiritual sacrifices through Jesus, our great high priest, that bring glory and honor to him before a watching world. The sacrifices we're to offer, just our entire lives, all that we are. He gave his life for us. We are now born again as his children. We are subjects in his kingdom. We are enslaved to him as our master, and what a joyful, freedom-giving slavery it is. Amen. Romans 12, verse 1 puts it this way, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Paul says in light of, in Romans, 11 chapters of grace unfolded. In light of the gospel, what Jesus did for you in in his life, death, and resurrection, I appeal to you by the mercies of God. Here's the only logical response to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual Worship. Some translations have that last part, which is your spiritual worship, which is your logical worship. Like the only thing that makes sense when you know what Jesus has done, who he is, is that you give all you got to him. And that's why we're here. We're to be worshiping him in such a way that the world sees his glory. Because we have a living Savior, we have a living hope in our new life in Jesus that came to us through the living word of God, the gospel. Now, we as living stones are being built on the living cornerstone, Jesus, into God's living house to show his glory to the world through our life 
together. That's an exciting thing to be part of. Amen? There's a whole lot of life in the church when the church is alive and obedient to the living Savior. As followers of Jesus, united in Him, we are the living house in which God dwells for His glory through us around the world. And that's why we continually say around here that we're captivated by Christ. That's why we have as our mission, we exist to spread our enjoyment of the beauty of Christ to the world. That sounds a whole lot like to proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness in in, in His glorious light. Amen? That's what we're about. And we're committed to doing that in four ways. One, enjoying God's grace in Jesus through worship and the Word. This is through things like Sunday school, Sunday worship, Bible studies, youth and children's ministries, discipleship groups, all these kinds of gatherings where worship and the Word are at the center. How do we spread our enjoyment of the beauty of Christ to the world? By enjoying God's grace. But secondly, by embracing God's power through prayer. Scripture makes that clear, doesn't it? Everybody on the same page, church, how do you get the power of God at work in your life? I'll wait on an answer. Anybody else believe it? One guy in the back said prayer. Prayer? Anybody, everybody agree? So there's no other magical way. Like there's no incantation. There's, I, mean, I mean, doing a bunch of stuff doesn't get it done, right? Doesn't bring the power of God. Just being active in the church, am I right? When in the book of Acts does God come down in power? When the church corporately gathers for the purpose of prayer. I love Acts 4. Some bad stuff happened to the disciples. They got roughed up, threatened, and so forth. They went back to church. You know what they did? They said, man, we need to pray. They didn't say they're going to kill us. We need to pray. So you know what they did? As a group gathered, they prayed. Out, like, like out loud. It's just this weird thing. They gathered in a room, and it's something they were used to, because Jesus had taught them how to do it. And they prayed out loud. We've got it written down. They, they talked out loud because it's in the Bible. Somebody heard, Luke heard a report of what was said, and they wrote down the prayer they prayed, and they said, God, we got trouble. We need your help. Make us bold. You've got to do something, God, because we can't handle this situation. We're in real trouble. You have to act. God, act. You know what the Bible says happened next? In Acts 4, it says the place where they were gathered was shaken. And they left that place boldly declaring the word of God. Could it be that the reason we don't feel shaken when we gather is because we're not praying together? We're not really embracing the power of God in prayer. Could it be that the reason when you leave this Sunday gathering that there's no power for witness in your life is because we've not gathered together and prayed together as a church according to simple directions and examples in Scripture to seek the face of God together that the Spirit of God might shake us and strengthen us and indwell us and empower us to boldly, no matter what, no matter the threats, speak the word of the gospel to our world. And here's the thing, all else I'm going to say about it, we ain't doing it. We're not. We have a monthly prayer service. You know how many people attended the last prayer service? You know when a church wants revival? 
that wouldn't three three at prayer service wouldn't be it. You know when revival comes, when just like the New Testament church, we say, God, if you don't help, and we we believe that so much, we we're going to gather together and we're going to pray out loud. We're going we're, we're going to cry out to heaven because we believe without you we can't do squat. When we believe that, we'll do that. And revival will come. And we'll embrace God's power through prayer. First Wednesday of the month, 6.30. Has been for years. Will continue to be. First Wednesday of the month, 6.30. One hour a month. And by the way, I'm embarrassed to say we only have one prayer service a month. Hello. Expressing God's love through service is another way. To others is another way we do this. We've got the ILC resuming where we uh, run an international learning center teaching English to uh, international students. Looking forward to kicking that back off in September. And finally, we extend God's glory in the world by personally sharing the gospel both locally and globally. Some of our local missions partnerships, we, we support the Christian Learning Center. In fact, just a couple weeks, we'll have the Gilmore Christian Learning Center come and, and share about their ministry. The Safe Choice Pregnancy Center, New Beginnings Transitional Housing Ministry, great ministry to help folks get on their feet. Gilmore Food Pantry. Our own Morganton and Mountaintown Baptist Association does great work uh, in our community with medical and, and dental clinics and, and counseling services and, and food distribution as well. We support international missions, missionaries in Jamaica, Kenya, Southeast Asia, Papua New Guinea, the Gideons International. These are just things we as a church support. Why? Because we must extend the glory of God in the world. We've seen His glory, and we've got to tell it. We've got to get it to the nations in obedience to the Great Commission. 128 years later, this is who we are, and this is who we must always be. Amen? Are you on mission with your Savior in His living church? His living house here at East LJ Baptist Church. What a privilege it is to be part of God's church, amen? What a privilege it is to be part of the living temple of God through which He has decided to give glory to Himself and shine His glory out to a lost and dying world. That's our mission. Let's pray together. Father, even now as David comes and leads us in... One short hymn of invitation. God, I pray that you'd work in the lives of any who need to take the gift of salvation through simple faith in Jesus. God, how I pray that today, for the first time, that man, that woman, that boy, that girl would look to Christ and believe your word. Admit their sin. Believe the righteousness of Jesus, the final and and sufficient sacrifice that Christ has made. And through faith in Jesus, taking his gift simply by faith, they would confess Jesus to be their Savior and their Lord. It's not just a ticket out of hell into heaven. It's a relationship with the living King of kings and Lord of lords who demands all. So help them to count the cost. Pressure Church, help us to remember cost we counted one day and God search our hearts to see if we're still paying the price to follow Jesus, counting the cost laying our lives down, denying ourselves taking up our cross daily and following you, Lord Jesus you're worthy we, it's unfathomable we are your living house 
in which the glory of the living God dwells and through which you, Jesus, shine. Reorient us, even on this 128th anniversary, for the greater glory of our Savior in Gilmer County and at the ends of the earth. Work in our hearts now as we sing. We pray in Jesus' name. This altar is open for you to come. Stand with us as David leads us and respond. The Savior is waiting. He's waiting for you today. You know, the beauty about Jesus is he's waiting for you, if you don't know him, for the first time to make you his child. But if, he's, if, you, if you know him, if you've come to him sometime in the past, if you've walked with him for a long time, but maybe you've walked away, you've walked at a distance, then today he's still there. He's still full of grace. He welcomes you back into that close fellowship, that intimate relationship that he longs for with all of his children. So whatever you need as we sing. The Savior is waiting to enter your heart. Let me ask you, why won't you let him come in? There's nothing world that could ever keep you apart what is your answer to him it's cause time after time he has waited before and right now he is waiting again, yes he is, just to see if you'd be willing to open the door. Oh, how he wants to come in. If you'll take just one step toward the Savior, my friend, I know you'll find his arms open wide. Oh, receive him and all of your darkness will end. And in your heart he'll abide. And it's all because time after time after time he has waited before. Oh, and right now this morning he is waiting again. He just wants to just to see if you might be willing to open that door. Oh, how he wants to come in. 
to trust in Jesus. Somebody sing it with me. Just to take him at his word. Just to know. Just to know upon his promise. And just to know the saith the Lord. Come on, church. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace today to trust him. all God's people said, amen. Please be seated for just a moment. Uh, Just a few quick announcements before we pray, bless the food, and dismiss. First of all, uh, real quickly, if you haven't already, download our app. There's a couple little signs around. There might be something stuck in your pew rack uh, with a little QR code. Download our church app. Uh, Our website also, new website goes live September 1st. Um, several announcements, things coming up this week. Tuesday, International Learning Center staff, we will meet here at the church 6 o'clock on Tuesday evening. International Learning Center meeting Tuesday, 6 o'clock. Children's Ministry Volunteer Meeting, you guys will meet. Thank you for that on Wednesday at 5.30 as we look forward to relaunching both youth ministry and children's ministry on Wednesday, September the 8th. Uh, advanced meetings taking place, getting prepared for that. Children's ministry volunteer meeting Wednesday, this Wednesday, 5.30 here at church. Leadership, deacons, we will meet this Wednesday at 7.30. This Wednesday at 7.30. I'm excited as we look forward to August the 22nd, two Sundays from now. We will have River Baptism, Cole Powell, and also Mark Baker, I believe, Lord willing. We're going to be baptized in how old's Cole? 16. We're going to be baptizing a 16-year-old young man and about a, I'm just going to be conservative, about 65-year-old man at the same time that the Lord has recently saved. And so we praise God. Join us for that. We're going to do that at 2.30. I understand that's tight. The reason that we're saying 2.30 is I have a new members class at 4 o'clock. So y'all just going to have to work with me. You might have to pack a sandwich or something that day. Uh, do what you have to do. We need to be there at the river at Emuel Sanford's place off of Legion Road at 2.30 on August 22nd. August conference will be, uh, I think we said it was going to be the 22nd last time. It's not going to be. It's going to be the 29th. August conference, Sunday, August 29th, immediately following service. Our Stack, Clo- Stack Stones membership class, which, by the way, is based just on the passage we preached from this morning. Our Stack Stones membership class, the dates for that, uh, upcoming two sessions. Both of these sessions are required. August 22nd from 4 to 6 and August the 29th from 4 to 6 as well. If you hadn't signed up for that class but you're interested in that, maybe you've been visiting with us and, and just hadn't got with me, see me about that. Love to have you join us for that to learn uh, more about the, the life of our church and, and how you can plug in and just where we are, what we believe, what we're all about. And a great time for us to get to know you as well. Again, the Wednesday uh, evening youth and children's ministry kickoff 
uh, will be on Wednesday, September the 8th at 6.30. It's going to be a, a big kickoff. We're going, it won't be a normal night. It'll be an un- abnormal night. It'll be a, a, a fun and exciting night, just welcoming everybody back after um, this time off from COVID. And so we're looking forward to that time and uh, spread the word, uh, children and teenagers. We mentioned earlier the International Learning Center will resume September the 12th. Again, this is a, a ministry where we teach international folks English. Uh, we provide homework, help, and, and fun to their school children up through the sixth grade. And, and we also try to have a nursery for their babies. If you're interested in serving, we especially need help in the nursery area, then please see me. Also, if you know folks that might be interested in those classes, please spread the word to them. Let them know. This will resume on September the 12th. Uh, And again, International Learning Center staff, this Tuesday, 6 o'clock. As you leave today, uh, we'll have a regular offering, but also a special love offering for David Aiken and his ministry of of worship among the churches of Jesus Christ. So please give generously to David and his ministry as you leave today. Is there anything I have left out? Lunch is ready? Larry? Is it ready? Okay, I'm going to turn you loose. If it's not, we'll get it ready. We can figure out food, can't we? All right, let's pray together and bless the food. Lord, we praise you for a wonderful day as part of your house gathered together. May we go into the next 128 years plus as a church unless you come, and we pray that you would come today. Send us into this next however long is left with a new vision of what it means to be the body of Christ, with a new commitment, conviction, surrender, and empowering of the Holy Spirit, all for your glory's sake. For Jesus, you and you alone are worthy. Thank you for today. But more than anything, thank you for your grace in Christ. We give you all the glory. Thank you, Father, that you provide all the time, more than we need. And we praise you for the abundance of provision around the table today. Thank you for all that have prepared the food and cooked. And bless our time of fellowship, Lord, just as brothers and sisters in Christ, spending time together, hearing how you're working in each other's lives as we sit at the table together now, we ask it. And we praise you in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're dismissed.